Church Confessional, your weekly Devo podcast. My name is Jeff Gokey, and I am so happy that you have tuned in today. Welcome to episode three of season two. Uh, this will be the last time that I introduce season two, uh, but just wanted us to understand that a new thing has happened. A new beginning has begun. Uh, I hope you are having a, a really great week wherever you are in the car or running uh, or maybe just in between classes. Uh, I hope you're having a really, really good day and I hope you're being encouraged as you grow and learn and uh, understand all that God has for you. Uh, I, I just, what I love about the Bible is it's just not this static group of uh, do's and don't do's. It, it's a really about transformational living. And that's why I think uh, as we slow down and we listen to these verses and we contemplate them, we understand they're not just these verses in the midst of a grand narrative. It's a beautiful story. And all along the way, we're learning the same story that we God loves us. He sees us. He cares for us. He's not abandoned us in the highs. He's there in the lows. He's there in the in, in the midst of the kind of normal. He's there. He's always there and he loves us. That being said, he's also called us into this extraordinary life uh, through the spirit of God that we can really be uh, free that we can have life, as John says, and life to the full. Like, what a beautiful thing. So I hope that as a part of this kind of new year and moving into a new year, that that spending time with the Lord and spending time understanding and listening and reading to His Word, reading His Word, is a part of that new normal for you. And maybe this podcast can be an encouragement to that. So just a reminder that this podcast exists to help you take the next step. It's just a catalyst. It's a, it's a, it's a little thing to get our brains going together and that we learn together. But it's something that I would love nothing more than for uh, someone to listen to a verse or listen to a reflection on a verse and go, I'm going to go read more about that. I want to go read more about the context around that, the, the context in the passage. There is so much to be learned in all this. I am just giving a real small snapshot of the bigger things, the bigger truths that God is trying to teach all of us. So that's the whole purpose behind what we're doing, where we're going uh, week in and week out as we learn and grow together. Um, I, I've told uh, in multiple multiple episodes uh, about my deep love for India, about the people of India. Um, and uh, one of the one of the trips I went on, uh, it would be uh, probably three years ago, uh, about three years ago, went on a, another trip to India. And well, maybe it was, yeah, it was almost, it was almost four years ago, uh, went on a trip to India. And uh, I, I took along a, a young guy that I had just gotten to know. Uh, his name was Christian. And so um, Christian and I um, and the rest of the team, we go to India. And, uh, and India for me is like home away from home. I love it there. It feels like family. Uh, I think some of you know this, but we have a daughter that, that, that lives there. And, and so uh, every time I get to go back, it feels like I'm coming home to a di uh, my other home, uh, coming home in some way. So I absolutely love it there. And I love, love, love taking people there, taking teams there. So I get to take a team of people, Christian, uh, who I believe is probably 17 or 18 at the time. Uh, he's there. 
And uh, we had this amazing moment. Uh, another friend of mine, his name's Nathan Cook. He was uh, leading us in a time of uh, devotion, and he was playing the song uh, "Beautiful Things" by Gunger. I don't know if you've ever heard that song. Great song, um, and it was just in the context of all that we were going through as a team, all that we were experiencing on the ground. I think we were either going or had just come from our time with the lepers. That was just overwhelming, I think, for the team. Um, I think actually we were going to to be with them. And, and Nathan was kind of helping getting our hearts in the right spot that God loves everyone and that these people are beautiful. They're so beautiful. And so he starts playing the song and it really struck us um, all pretty emotionally. And so people were crying. And so I look over to Christian and Christian is weeping, but he's got his eyes closed and he's weeping. And as he's weeping, I'm looking over to him and I see this massive, massive amount of snot coming off of his nose. Like it's just dripping down. It's gross, right? Like you can see it in your mind right now and you're totally grossed out. It's totally cool. Anyway, uh, so I'm painting a picture for you with words. So it's like running down his nose uh, like water off of a roof. (laughs) And so it's just leaking down, but it's in one long strain. And so I start doing there and everyone's into it and I'm so distracted because I keep going like, that's not, where's it going? to go like and and I don't think so he's like crying he's like deep in thought and prayer and so I just reached over with my finger under his nose and I just kind of swiped the snot like I was trying to be like all fatherly to him like swipe the snot well it freaked him out I think he thought Somebody had, I don't know, something had jumped on him or I don't know, whatever. And he like jumped up and I'm like, whoa, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, sorry. I was just doing that. But in this moment, everyone's experiencing this, this moment of brokenness. And I am completely and utterly distracted by this young man's snot that's coming uh, down uh, his nose. And, uh, and the truth of what I've been dealing with for a good portion of my life is I'm just not sure what to do with those tears and the crying. And so when I come to this passage and come to this verse, um, I'll have to be honest, I kind of whiz past it and have whiz past it most of my life. Uh, but I'm finding myself having to sit back and think on these two words and how absolutely powerful they are. This is the shortest passage in the entire Bible, shortest verse in the whole Bible. It's John eleven thirty five, And it just simply says this, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. The God of the universe wept. And I think I've just moved past that. Oh, yeah. Until I really started sitting back in it and going, that is a monumental thought for you and for I. And as I was sitting here thinking about the fact that the God of the universe weeps, um, I started thinking about myself. I started thinking about maybe you, you, do you know, do you know that moment when like, where all the emotions start bubbling up? So I start thinking about crying and I'm starting to like trying to like, I'm trying to put myself in the place of the disciples that are around him. This scene where Lazarus has died, a friend of his. 
and I'm trying to put myself in the, the, the shoes of the disciples. And all of a sudden they see Jesus start weeping. And what did they feel? And so I started thinking about that for me. And I started thinking about, you know, that, that moment when all those emotions, they kind of get caught in your neck. They kind of get caught in your neck. You start to get really choked up. But a decision gets to be made in that moment. And, 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 it, and it works like this. Like, I can stuff it down or I can let it loose. And I will say, for the, the majority of my life, I've just continued to shove it down. It didn't feel safe to cry. It felt vulnerable. It felt weak. And so I didn't. But here's what we see with Jesus. He lets it loose. He humbles himself in this moment. He is vulnerable in front of his creation, in front of those who are following him. The ones who are really at this point, many of them are affirming him as Lord, not really understanding the full weight of what that meant, but they're affirming that he is the Messiah. And here he's just crying in front of them. And that is why I struggled with this passage. And I continue to struggle with it, if I'm honest, because I start to go into this theological conundrum, right? I start asking questions like, why is the sovereign God of the universe crying? He knew what was happening. He knew what was going to happen next. It just seemed kind of silly to me, right? Like, he's not unaware of why Lazarus died, right? He knows. He, he's fully aware of the fact that he's going to heal him and resurrect him from the dead. So why cry? Why go through all of this? And, and so I can naturally easily go, oh, he was just, he was living into his humanity. Like truly he's the God man. And so he's feeling through the perspective of what it means to be a human in Hebrews 4. We've talked about this passage about how he sympathizes with our humanity. And so he's entering into that space and he's really uh, grieving. And, and so it just led me to all these questions. And maybe it does for you as well. But here's where I had to continue to personalize it for me is that crying has always felt like weakness most of my life. And I'm not even sure where... I came up with that, where that originated. Uh, but at some point in my life, I made a decision that crying was weakness. I don't even remember anyone sitting down with me and saying, hey, by the way, crying is weakness. I don't, I don't remember that. But I think I, somewhere along the line, I started to think that. I, I can remember going years, years without crying. Why? Because I think I bought into a lie then I'm good to go. You know, I think I bought into a lie like, it's fine. It'll all work out. Listen, I'm so sorry that Lazarus died. I'm so sorry that this loved one died. It's, it's, it's awful. It's, it, you know, stuff happens. God's in control. It's all fine. And, and this is what's happened to me over the years is that my optimism uh, became a crutch to survive. You know, optimistic people tend to look like they've got it all together. So if you know somebody who looks like a tigger and bounces around like a tigger, just remember that they're just surviving. Like some of you are like, I'm anxious. I wish I could be more like this guy who seems like he's got it all together. Most often, um, 
a lot of them have just, they're hiding behind that optimism. They're hiding behind that cheerful, everything's going to work out for the, the glory of God, for the good, and because they're not sure what to do with suffering and pain and hurt and all those questions. And so optimism is a way in which they can survive in this world. And for me, it has been my crutch. It has been the thing that I have been able to use to survive. And maybe that's you. You know, maybe for you, you have to go through that, act that way, be that way, be all strong, be all powerful, because you're not really comfortable. You don't really feel safe to be vulnerable and to really admit that stuff's hard sometimes and that things don't make sense. Maybe some of you really struggle with a God who allows uh, really hard things to go on in his kingdom. But that he doesn't micromanage those things, but he's fully aware, fully uh, sovereign over all of them. Maybe for you, that is a really difficult thing. And so for you to imagine or to think through those things is really difficult. So we keep adapting and we keep going like, it's fine. It'll all work out. But here's what we see with Jesus. Jesus grieved. He grieved in this moment. Death and suffering was never a part of his good plan. In Genesis 1 and 2, what we find is good. He's saying it's good. He made all of creation. It's good. He made mankind. It's good. It's good. It's good because it was made by a good God. And so death and suffering and pain was not a part of the plan. And in this moment, he is grieving to the point of tears that this is happening, that so many around him are in hurt and in pain as a result of Lazarus's death. And and he is joining them and going, I agree. I concur. It, It shouldn't be like this. You see, we live in the tension on this side of the cross uh, of death and resurrection. And sometimes we need to grieve the death part. And not just move past that, but to the resurrection, but we live in that tension and it's not easy, but Jesus did. He was able to live in this moment going, I know I'm going to heal him, but I'm also going to be present in this pain. He saw the pain and the hurt at the deepest level and he grieved it with all of his heart. And I think that's such a beautiful model for me that the, that, 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 that what is perceived in our world as weakness, Jesus displays a strength and he grieves and he cries in front of his creation. So the question I have is, does this, do, does, does this reality, do a lot of the hurts and the pains that you go through, does it really grieve you? Does the hurt and the pain really grieve you? Do we have eyes and ears to slow down and suffer with those around us? Um, are, are we so busy? Are we just cruising through life that we're missing these moments that we can be present with people in the way that Jesus was present with people in the midst of their hurt and their pain? And what we know is this, that Jesus's death, this thing in which we, we grieve, opened the door open the door for resurrection of, of new life, that he is reminding us that, that he overcame death so that we can live in eternity with no suffering, 
for the rest of our lives. And in that, we find joy. In that, we celebrate. You see, it's in the tears and the grief that reminded of the hope and the help. And I think that's something I'm learning right now. It is in the tears and in the grief that we are reminded of the hope and the help that we find in Jesus. So what do you need to grieve today? I want to give you permission to grieve today and to ask God for help. So comfort our hearts, O Heavenly Father, as we anticipate your wiping away all of our tears. So take a breath, reflect, and believe that the God of the universe is closer to you than your own heartbeat. Until next time, cheers.